0: I want to call this the good news, the good news, Romans chapter 1, beginning at verse 11, I'm going to read down to verse 18, thought will be coming out of verse 16, here begins the reading of the word, reading out of the New International Translation, verse 11, I long to see you. So that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that I might be mutual, that you may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I plan many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I had among other Gentiles. I am obligated both to Greeks and to non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. Verse 16, the text. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jews, then for the Gentiles. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The word of the Lord. Father, we thank you and we praise you because thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory. Now, Lord, let our eyes be open and our ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. Arise, O Lord, and come to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. Let your priests, O Lord, be clothed with salvation. Let your saints rejoice in your goodness. O Lord God, do not forget your anointed one and remember the great love that you promised to David, your servant. Father, anoint us, prepare us, Open the eyes of our understanding that we might receive the anointing and power that comes from your spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The letter to the Romans, the epistle that we read here, we call epistles are actually really Letters. They're letters that the apostles wrote to the churches. It's how they communicated in those days. They communicated through letters. And the church at Rome was an interesting church, one that at the heart of believers, most of the Roman Christians were not Jews. Remember in the first century that most of the Jews that came about were, or the Christians were of Jewish belief and then many other people start becoming part of Christianity. As the Jews dispersed throughout the Roman Empire, what they carried with them was the belief in one God. Most all religions at that time were what we call polytheistic. They were religions that believed more than one God at the same time. And when Christianity came on the scene, it also Represented this continual belief from Judaism in the one true God. It was a belief that many did not want to embrace. It was what Jesus taught in the gospel. He referred to the one true God as the Father. He talked about God as Father, making him more personal. Some people by slang refer to God as the man upstairs or some other generic name. God itself is a generic name, Elohim, or the El of God is the generic name. It's really not a personal name for God, but we use it quite a bit when we refer to him, even though we think personally. It is why the revelation of the name of Jesus became important, because according to Ephesians 3.15, everything, the whole family in heaven and earth, was to be named after Jesus becomes important. But I think as we look at Romans, one of the most important issues to me of the good news is to define again and constantly bring to our mind what good news is, what it really represents, what we really call the gospel. And when we understand that Jesus brought a new message, a message that was not seeped into deep theology, or into philosophical jogging, or even in theological understanding, he was bringing good news because he was helping people to understand that you cannot reach God by following rituals and going into all sorts of things just because you give, just because you sing certain songs, just because you're in an anointing like this. You can't reach God that way. You have to reach him through the gospel message. So verse 16 says, I am not ashamed. Of the gospel, the Greek word for the word gospel here is the word evangelion, and that word means good news. In, in the Greek, it means good news. So the evangelium, the gospel message, is the good news. What is the good news? Well, there are three things that that bring us to understanding the good news. Let's let's outline the text. He says, "I'm not ashamed of the gospel." So there are three points to the gospel here. First of all, it is the messenger who brings the gospel, the voice. Number two, it is the message, the substance of what he has to bring. And number three, it is the method. So we have the messenger, the message, and the method. That's extremely important. So let me, let me explain to you where we are. The messenger. It is important that the messenger be pure before he receives the message that he's gonna bring. Now, now keep in mind that as a messenger of God, you don't have to comprehend the whole message in order to give the message. Because as being a vessel, all you're doing is being a conduit for the anointing to flow through you. So that God can do what he has to do. You don't know sometime when God gives you a message why he's giving you that message for that person. But that person who receives it will receive from God what God wants them to give. So God uses ordinary people to become messengers. And the messenger that I love, first Corinthians chapter one, where Paul begins verse 25, telling them, "Not many of you were, were wise, not many of you were noble, not many of you were of high birth when you received the gospel." In other words, God did not pull messengers because they were qualified. He pulled messengers because they were available. Amen? The message, the, the gospel is called six things. There are six terms for the gospel in the New Testament. So let me outline those six terms for the gospel. There is only one gospel, but there are six terms. In Matthew chapter four, verse twenty-three, it is called the gospel of the kingdom of God. Matthew four twenty-three. In fact, the gospel in Matthew four twenty-three gives us four elements of what the gospel is going to do. If you have the gospel, if you're preaching the gospel, the gospel involves, in Matthews 4:23 and 24, preaching, teaching, healing, and deliverance. Without those four elements, you do not preach the gospel. If you do not teach believers, if you do not preach to the unsaved, if you do not offer healing for sickness and deliverance from evil spirits, You have not fulfilled the full gospel. So the gospel of the kingdom, the good news, is that we teach, preach, heal, and offer deliverance from evil spirits. So Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. See, the good news that I have is a working gospel. It it is a gospel that's just not intellectual thinking. It's a gospel that just doesn't give me philosophical jogging. But when I look, there are people who can be healed from the power of the devil. Because you have to understand that sickness is designed to keep us down so that we cannot glorify God in our body. And the reason that we get healing from sicknesses in our body is so that we can glorify God. It's not that you can go your way and have a good time, but God's healing you so you can give him glory. God's delivering you because when we're oppressed of the devil, the reason why the devil's oppressing us is because he does not want us to give God glory. And the reason why he raises up messengers like your pastor to offer healing and deliverance is so that you can give God some praise. It's just not to ease your problem, but what you're going to do after you've been healed? Do, you, do The issue here, the gospel message is, and Jesus came in a time, it was the worst time in human history for Jesus to come. Sickness, degradation, decay, everything was going on all around, and Jesus met people where he was. Sometimes we call it a social gospel. It's not really a social gospel. It is a powerful gospel. Because sometimes, see, you can't expect people to do when they're hurting. So first of all, you need to relieve them first. So when you offer healing, when you offer deliverance, when you are, now see believers need to be taught the reason why the gospel involves teaching because after God works miracles, He's not going to continue working your life in a miracle. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. Miracles are a sign, and signs are not an end in itself. Signs point to something. So he only gave you a miracle so that you could believe. Once you become a believer, he then gives you provision. He teaches you how to speak to yourself in songs, in hymns, in spiritual songs. See, when you need deliverance, you need somebody to release you, to get you out, so you come to power of faith to get delivered. But once you've been delivered, Now you gotta start, you're being taught now. Now speak to yourself. You ain't gotta be in the prayer line every week once you've been delivered. Now you speak to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual, making melody in your heart. Don't come in looking depressed now. You were repressed one, but now you've been set free. That's what the gospel is all about. It is, it is to release you, and once you've been released, the teaching is, speak to yourself. Amen. Tell your neighbor, speak to yourself. Speak to yourself. So you, you, you think you're waiting to get here for the healing service every, every, every time Pastor do it at six o'clock on the Sunday. you' waiting to get here on Sunday morning, every Sunday. Yes, yes, and when you're a non-believer and your faith is low, you need to get here and come so you can get your faith built up. But once you've been built up. You don't have to keep being dependent. Uh-uh. Yeah, some folks are altar junkies. Now, now, now what that means is that we've, we've got an addiction to someone else giving us what God has given us the power to release in ourselves. Bishop is not trying to be an end in himself. He's not your savior. Jesus is your savior. He's only trying to help you to reach up so that you can speak to yourself. Ephesians 4.19. Speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Making melody in your heart to the Lord. Sometimes you don't need to tell everybody all about your problems all the time. Just start rocking and praising God. Speaking to yourself. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I just thank you. I just praise you. And as you start speaking to yourself, healing starts coming. Deliverance starts coming as you speak to yourself. But let me finish this, and I'm through. I just want to give you several outlines. But the gospel of the kingdom in Matthew 4, 23 and in Mark 1, 14, it's called the gospel of the kingdom. Number two, the gospel is called sometime the gospel of God, the gospel of the Father, Romans 1 and 1. Number three, it's sometimes called the gospel of Christ, the gospel of Christ. God in Christ is all in the same. In fact, uh, Romans 1, 16, where we in now text, 2 Corinthians 4 and 4, For if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, and whom the God of this world had blinded their eyes. See, See, the devil don't want you to get the good news. The good news is that you can be set free. See, you don't have to. the good news about coming into the presence of God is that you don't have to leave here the same way you came in. See, what you, you don't want to do, you don't want to leave the way you came. But you want to be changed. That's the whole purpose of the gospel. Being able to preach the gospel is preaching change. And people don't want to preach change because they're afraid that people won't get changed. But you've got to step out on faith i believe that the power of gospel is not to jog your intellect but it is to change your character second corinthians 4 is called the glorious gospel and in revelations 14 and 6 is called the everlasting gospel it is a gospel that will keep on going on and on paul Paul says in verse 16 that he is not ashamed. And I want to say like Paul, every, every, every man and woman of God ought not be ashamed of what they're preaching. Because God has given them something that they're they preaching. Look, look at why he's not ashamed. Three things in verse 16 and, and in verse 17 he tells you that he's not ashamed. First of all, he is not ashamed because it's good news from God anytime god gives a proclamation you should not be afraid of what god says what god says look at rome look at mark 9 23 what he said if you can believe all things are possible to him that believe that's good news that means even though it looks impossible even though it looks insane it looks like it would never happen but if i can believe all things everybody say all things that that means it's not eliminated you don't have to subtract it out you don't have to edit it out well I know I believe them over here for this but I I, I may not be able to believe them for this but he said all things so whatever it is I need he said all things so I'm just going to stand on his word if I need healing he said all things if I need deliverance he said all things if I need finances he said all things So if all things are possible, they are impossible if you do not activate your faith. So it is your faith that meets God's power that gets the work done. Because he's able if you are capable. Let me say that again. He is able because he has the power. If you are capable of opening your mouth and not being ashamed. See, some folks are ashamed to get up and raise their hand and just admit that they have, they need help. They're afraid sometimes of walking down. You don't need to be ashamed, because this, this, is, this is the power of God. But what if it don't happen? Don't let Satan fill your head with doubt. What if I don't get it? It's not a question of whether they don't get it. What if you do get it? What you gonna do if it did? Go about using it selfishly, or you gonna praise and glorify God? It is good news from God. God can change your character. Number two, it is the power of God to save. Now, the word salvation in the Greek means to add a salve." It means to put something on a sore, like a bandage. Cause see, He covers up the sore spots. But you know like a bandage, the reason why you cover up a sore is because you keep the air and the contamination out of it. But when you take the bandage off, the skin is usually healed. That's how salvation is. What God is really saying is, I will cover your problem. And when I take my hand off of it, it will no longer be there. Now, now, now just do with me. Listen to me. Take your hand and do like this. And then lift it off. Whatever was under it is gone. Oh, come on, exercise your faith. Take your hand and do it again. Think about everything that you need covered in your life. Everything that's been problematic in your life. Everything that's caused you issues in your life. Think about it for two seconds. Lift your hand off of it. Now give God some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. let me show you four things the gospel will do for you number one in verse 16 it says it says it will cover your mess <laughs> amen it reveals in verse 17 the righteousness of God it reveals what you cannot do on your own it reveals that it is God working in you To will and do of his good pleasure. So God's righteousness is revealed. It's not by mind. It's not by power. It's by his spirit. Says the Lord. I'm not doing anything on my own free will. But anything I do, God's given me the power to do. So the gospel is God's righteousness. Because my righteousness is nothing but filthy rags. But God's righteousness presents the power of God. Number three. It makes possible a life of faith. Now, now let me tell you very clearly what that means in terms of a life of faith. It means that you've got to walk in impossibilities and not worry about the probabilities because God has all of the possibilities. I'll say it again. You've got to walk into impossibilities because you have to realize that wherever you're going, the devil is constantly telling you what you can't do. And when you look at the issues that face you, you're afraid because of what it looks like. It is only the look that is scaring you. So if you change your vision, you will alleviate your fear. So when you look at the improbabilities and you begin to think of the probabilities because God will do all things and you got to think like Paul. He began to look at things that were impossible and say I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. My strength doesn't come with what I see, but it comes from what I hear. Because faith cometh by hearing and not by what I see. Because what I see says I can't make it. But what I hear, it says hear a voice behind me. This is the way. Walk in it. Because if I go by what I see, it will keep me sitting where I am. But if I stand on what I know, but I know who he is. That's why Paul said, I know in whom I believe. And I'm persuaded he's able. In spite of what's in front of me, in spite of what's around me, in spite of what the enemies are doing, I know he's able. I love the confession of the Hebrew boys when they were getting ready to go into the fiery furnace. You like to talk about them in the furnace. But I want to tell you their confession as they went in. They looked at the fire and they knew the fire was hot. And they knew the fire would burn. They said, okay, let me tell you. The God we serve is able. But let me tell you something else. Even if he doesn't do it, we know that he's able. In other words, you've got to know God is sovereign even when he doesn't meet you today. You know that he could do whatever he wants to do, even if it doesn't happen today. He can do it when he gets ready. And that's why somebody said, you can't make me doubt him. I know too much about it. Now, 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 here's what I want you to do. If you think about where you've been, not about where you think you're trying to go, but where you've been, you've gone too far. He's got too much behind you for you to worry about what you've got to face in front of you. Get your vision off of that and focus on Hebrews 12 and 2 that says looking unto Jesus who is the author and the finisher of your faith who for the joy endured the cross suffered the shame what did he do what, what 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 i see facing me my tomorrow i don't know how i'm going to make it today but your yesterday has already been taken care of you know what i tell people the worst that can happen to you happened at calvary amen so the best is yet to come Because anything, all the worst was at Calvary. So the best is yet to come. So the gospel saves. It reveals the righteousness of God. And number three, it makes possible a life of faith because you have to walk in what you hear and not what you see. That's what messed Israel up because ten spies went out there and said, we see ourselves as grasshoppers. I didn't ask you to go out and talk about what you see. I asked you to go out and talk about what the word says. The word says i'm saved i'm healed i'm free so if, if that he sends the word in psalm 107 verse 19 in trouble and 20, to deliver us out of our sin he sends the word to heal he sends the word to save he sends the word to deliver that's what god does to the word it also delivers us from the wrath of god god's got some wrath that's getting ready to come down but the but the gospel gospel will save you. Let me tell you about the shame. Verse 16, he says, I'm not ashamed because some people are ashamed. We fear two things in particular. Number one, we have intellectual shame. Some of us are ashamed of looking stupid. If you tell someone that the anointing was all over you today, you think you're going to be looking stupid. What do you mean the anointing was all over you today? The power of God. You, You You fear intellectual shame not being able to comprehend in your mind what's happened in your flesh. And you see, let me tell you, you can't explain it because in John 9, when the man who was blind, they said, don't you know that that man healed you was a Sith? Don't you know that Pastor Mike ain't all of that? And he ain't this? Look, let me tell you something. I can't get into the intellectual jargon. I don't know what gossip you heard, but I'ma tell you I know is that I was blind. And now I see.